0: You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Amen, and then let's get to it. Open your Bibles up, all right? So John chapter 4, open your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, there are, uh, there's a Bible on that counter over there. You grab one of those Bibles. If you don't have a Bible at home, that is our gift to you. Please take it. Take it home. Read it. Allow God's Word to change and transform your lives. John chapter 4. I think most of you could probably all agree with me that there is nothing like a cold cup of water on a hot day, right? Right? And, and I've mentioned this before, I've told some of you, and some of you even agreed with me after the service, I think this was back in our theater days I mentioned this, that sometimes the best tasting, most thirst quenching water that you can ever drink is right out of a garden hose. Don't you just agree? I mean, there's something about those nasty chemicals probably in that hose that just add that certain flavor and that coldness. You're working outside, you're sweating it out, and you drink that water, and it's like, oh, that is so good, and you, just, you, you don't care if it's just kind of going all over you, and it just dribbles and all that. It's like, oh, so good. And we are told that we should be drinking a good amount of water every day, that it's very good for you. But let's face it, water can be kind of lame it can be kind of boring, right? Like it's just like, oh, I have to pump back a number of liters of water every day. Like, I don't know if I can do this. This is just, I don't know if I can handle this. And uh, however, if you put some bubbles into that water, It can get pretty exciting, and it's just like, yes, well, for over a year, you can bring that. I have Elijah, my assistant, today. Um, For over a year, we've uh, been using one of these things. Actually, we've gone through a whole bunch of them to find the best one that we like the most. And some of you know what this is. It's a soda stream, and so you just take normal, plain, flat, boring water, and you put it here in the machine, and you just pump away at it. Whoa, and we're losing that one. you give it a few good shots, and you have got some nice sparkly water. And actually, I was thinking, man, I should have some water up here this morning, because my throat already from worshiping together and all of that, just, that's pretty refreshing. Then you can also add some flavors, yeah, like you could add some lime to it, like we just take some lime stuff and, oh, Charlotte fixed it, oh, a nice spell okay she she wanted to not spill it in the car so you add a little bit of this oh even better it just quenches down in there really good or you know what you can add other flavors to it you know that you can purchase and little shooters but it's not alcohol it's just like flavor and so so you can drink this stuff and it can be just so refreshing and so wonderful and um and, but there's a bit of a problem, is that these machines run on these canisters that, after a little while, they run out. And it's like you've got to recharge them, and they're 40 bucks to buy a brand new one, or you can get them recharged, like you can exchange them at, the, at most stores for $20, which is still kind of a bit pricey, especially if you like lots of bubbles. And so, with this, uh, we found a place then about a year ago that would do it for $10, like someone who just has a little side business. and like, that's awesome, $10, bucks. let us drink away. And so, it's just so wonderful to be able to do that. However, uh, one of the things that um, we discovered is we are still going through quite a bit of it. So, for Christmas last year, I'll just put this down here. Yeah, bring that one, Elijah. Charlotte brought, bought me this. That's right, baby. And... Uh, And and, and what you do and bought this attachment, but she actually only bought me the five pound cylinder, upgraded in a little while to a 10 pounder. And so then what you can do is you just end up just putting this on and through an apparatus like you kind of have to know what you're doing, you know, because it's very dangerous. No, it's not. I just pretend and then, yeah, just love making those those noise drive Charlotte nuts. Anyways, you can refill it. You know how much with a 20 or a 10 pounds And I'm looking at the 20 pounder now, you know, just like go big or go home. You know, and um, anyways, I can now fill these for about $3.50. What a deal, I'm telling you. Um, And so, because I like my water sparkly, I don't know about you. Take a look at this uh, fill. I don't know how well that's, Uh, you're not seeing it really good. It's not the best video quality, sorry about that. Anyways, you can just see, I mean, it was like an artesian well of bubbles that just continued to flow just because it pumped it so full of this gas, and I'm telling you, that sort of thing, it burns really good going down, (laughs) really good. Well, in the passage that we're looking at here today in John chapter 4, we looked at it last week, and again today, Jesus promised a life-giving flow of water. Of refreshing, bubbling water that is coming into our lives, bubbling within us, and then going out and quenching and bringing a satisfying thirst to our lives, to bring satisfaction. And Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 14, we looked at it last week the water I give will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then in John chapter 7, he said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus promised a fresh inflow resulting in a outflow of real life, of unreal and true life satisfaction, joy in our lives from within. Now, we have a pond at the end of the street, at the street where we live, and I think we have a picture of that. And, and this is just such a beautiful pond. It's actually called Fraser Lake, if you're looking on a map. And it's so beautiful. It is this awesome, sweet oasis, and year-round, people just love to enjoy it. And, and there's some fish, and people come fishing. Some of the guys in our church have gone fishing there, and they say, and you've even seen some good-sized bass. That are in there and it's fresh water. It's just quite amazing. I mean, in the summer, there's sometimes a a layer of algae that it looks like it's on there, but now it's all gone. Now that the Mm -hmm. summer is over, people go fishing. They go boating on there with little boats and kayaks and that. There's painted turtles. There are lots of ducks and geese and blue herons that are there. And in the winter, take a look at this. I just love this picture. This is so Canadian, isn't it? Like, look at the sheets of ice that people have cleared off, and they go skating, and they go ice fishing. It's just like, this is so awesome being able to do this. And what makes that pond, though, so amazing and so beautiful and life-giving all year long, and and the fact that it never dries up, even in the hottest of summers, even in this past summer, the the, the level went down, but it never dried out. Because even in a hot Okanagan summer, when when you go to the backside of the pond... You can see this, and volume up, please. And just beyond there is the pond, and this fresh spring twenty-four-seven, three sixty-five 365 days out of the year, that stream is flowing into that pond, giving it life. And Jesus, in the same way, he promises a life-altering, life-giving inflow of his life into our lives, and if we're his followers, this is available to us by his Holy Spirit that will result in a life of joy and strength and hope and confidence and peace, present And bubbling, if you want to say, inside us, even in the driest and the darkest and the most difficult times in our life, it is available to us. And this inflow will have a life-giving effect, not only in our own lives, but on the lives of those around us. This is something that God's word promises for us as his children. And the Samaritan woman in that story last week came to fill her dry, empty bucket in that old well. Jacob's old well was there and, and, and was looking at a way to, she was going to lower it and she was going to get some water in order to, to, to kind of live and to continue to survive uh, day by day. It was something she would do. But she left the well that day. It was just another normal day or so it seemed, but she left that day and everything was different. She left that day with a wellspring of water welling up in her to eternal life. Why? Because she met Jesus that day. She met Jesus. Now, I'm just wondering, am I a little too loud for you folks? No. no? It's okay. It just seems like I might be, like I'm kind of excited and yelling a little bit, and I wasn't sure if I don't want to overpower you too much, you know? In other words, just turn your hearing aids down, if it is, I guess. So, and and so, so here's this woman coming one day, and maybe that's the way you came to church today. Maybe you just kind of came just like, I'm just doing this. I'm going through the motions. I do this. I try to do this every Sunday. Maybe you're tuning in online, and we welcome you if you are but you're just kind of tuned in and it's just like, here we go again, another Sunday. I want to worship. I want, and just hoping that something, something might change. Well, something changed on this day for this woman and something can change for each one of us here today as well. You know, I wonder how many of us, if we were to be honest before God, honest with ourselves, you would say, on the inside, I'm dry. On the inside, I'm stagnant. Oh, there's a well. There's a deep well of memories and and, and good things that have taken place in my life that I'm thankful for, but it's still water. It's just kind of there. And it just kind of seems like I'm going through the motions. And you feel flat and stagnant. And it feels like you've dried up or you're drying up and you don't even know when or where it started exactly and you're just kind of going through the spiritual motions. And if you were to be honest, you would say, and and church is a good place to be honest, but oftentimes we fake it. Um, but, But if we were to be honest, we would say, yeah, it's not working for me. It's just not working. It's like we're on the spiritual treadmill and it's just like, here we go and we're running, 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 but we're not getting anywhere. Once there was a closeness and an intimacy with God, but now it seems like he's distant, he's far off. And you can attend church, you can attend a conference, you can attend, like the ladies did, this room was full of ladies worshiping, coming under the teaching of God's word, you can be inspired, and you can get this, that spiritual boost that happens in our lives, and then we walk out that same day or the next day or a few days later, and it's just back to the same old, same old. The same old struggle, the same old battle, the same old defeat, the same old discouragement, the same old dryness, and it's same old, same old. I just even stop. Let's even just pray right now. Just bow your heads. We don't want to mess around here. This is life. This is eternity. This is this is huge, God. And so, God, just even now, Jesus, you promised that that you would offer to us, and you do offer to us a life and a flow from you that can well up within us. And your word says, if anyone thirsts, and I pray for my brothers and sisters here today, if anyone is thirsty, would we come to him today? And would we drink? Would we drink from the truth of the word of God? You've been laying on my heart this week. God, This is these are your words and we give them to you. Lord, meet us today. Would we drop, deal with, run, repent from anything that is hindering our life with you? I pray you would meet some here today for the first time and save them because they don't know you truly. They may have been in church all their life but have been, never been truly saved. Or it's just been a long time that we've dropped everything and we've turned to you in full surrender. I just encourage you to just to pray a quiet prayer where you're at right now. Maybe things are going really well and I praise the Lord and just say, God, thank you, thank you, thank you and keep it going, keep it going. But just be honest before him right now. God, I pray that you would hear these prayers and these desires of dry, stagnant, maybe flat, flat-lying believers. And God, we can be there so quickly, so fast at times throughout the week, but your word promise is different for us, and so we believe in Jesus' name that you will bring hope and you will bring life that will flow in and then out of us in a beautiful way to others. But would you be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. So two weeks ago, we started this series, The Cost, The Follow, and what does it mean to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Not just look the part, just not have the checklist, you know, figured out, but what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to really follow him from the heart? One who can experience his strength, his power, his vibrancy that he promises And and we saw how out of Jesus' own mouth, he basically, he he laid it out. We looked at this two weeks ago. Hey, if you want to come after me, if you want to be one of my followers, you want to be in, you want to be my son, be my daughter, you want to inherit eternal life, you want to walk with me, This is what it means. In Matthew 16, we looked at it. It means denying ourselves, surrendering ourselves to him completely. It means taking up our cross, meaning there's going to be sacrifice. There's going to be a cost to it, and we're going to follow. It's that denial, that death, that surrender of ourselves, making Jesus Lord every day of our lives. Not only is that what saves us, but that's what we continue to walk in in our lives on a daily basis. And we glorify him then by desiring to obey his word, pursuing purity and holiness. Not just being comfortable with it, but making war on it in our lives. Not being satisfied with status quo, just I prayed the prayer and I have kind of done a few things. Wrote a check, did this or that. I guess we don't write checks anymore. I I went online and, you know, did an e-transfer or whatever. and, And here I am, I'm just, you know, kind of marking it off. But the cost and follow involves more than that. It's not just seeing certain parts of God's word as just, you know what, like, yeah, that's, well, that's a suggestion, or maybe that's allegorical. Jesus didn't really mean that. The Apostle Paul didn't really say that. Plus, you know what, you know, when it comes to this or that thing, it's kind of, you know, my little pet sin, or it's that little understanding I have with God, and, you know, he's, he's probably okay with it. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and, and the cost and follow is, is not continuing in unrepentant sin, no, it's confession. It's repentance. It's making war on our sin, not being satisfied with it, not making allowances for it in our lives. And we can do that so easily. And then last week we looked at and at how looked at how can and, and continuing on today about true worship. What is true worship? And worship is the only and well the first, not the only, but the first response of a surrendered heart. That when we are surrendered to him, we're going to worship. We're going to worship him in spirit and in truth. Giving him praise and adoration in our glory. Giving him glory in our thoughts, in our attention. At times with our lips and with our lives. Giving him that praise. And last week, John 4, Jesus and the Samaritan woman. We saw three reasons why we should adore Jesus. This is a chapter on worship. But here we see three reasons from her life, from this situation, why we ought to worship. There's more than that in scripture, but here's three from the, from the word we looked at last week. Just quick recap. We adore, we worship Jesus because he pursues us no matter who we are. um, In verse 3, we see that he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. Jesus had to. He had to go, and he had to go through Samaria, the area where most of the Jews avoided because Jews could not stand Samaritans. They were detestable, disgusting, half-breeds. They never liked them. There had been this ethnic kind of hatred going on for centuries, but Jesus had to. He had to go through Samaria because he had to meet with this woman. And secondly, we saw last week that we adore and we worship Jesus because He loves us regardless of the mess. He pursues us. Jesus pursues you today. The fact that you are here, the fact that you're listening online, the fact that people have come into your life and have told you about Jesus is the reality that He is actively pursuing you today. That you have a hunger, a desire in your heart towards the things of God, even if it's a little bit. He's pursuing you. He's crazy about you. He wants you in, He wants you to be His all in disciple, an all in follower. And he loves us no matter the mess because some of us, we, look at this woman. I mean, her life was a mess. She had had five husbands and now she's living with a man in sexual immorality, not even her husband. Yet that didn't stop Jesus from pursuing her, loving her, caring for her, inviting her in. And as a result, that region in Samaria would be changed upside down because Jesus met with this woman. And her life was transformed and there will be people in heaven that day. That woman will be there. We're going to be able to go and talk. One day, if you're a believer in Christ, you're going to be able to go and you're going to be able to talk one day and say, tell us about that day at the well. And we're going to talk to townspeople who say that woman was so changed. She came in. I mean, she, she left that day at noon because no one was going to go to the well there because of her. Like, I mean, we stay away from her because she, you know, and, and she is used by the Lord and that community And eternity will be changed because of this story and because of Jesus pursuing this person, this woman, despite and regardless of the mess of her lives. And Jesus pursues you and me, regardless of the past, no matter the the mess ups and the mistakes and the big belly flop fails that you have had in your life. And he offers us, a life-giving flow. Just, he just doesn't offer us heaven. He offers us now, today, a life-giving flow bubbling up from within us, flowing out to those around us, changing and transforming us, but having a powerful witness to those around us. And he does he does this. He 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 he, he never leaves us. He is with us and 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 as He continues and he doesn't leave us in our sin. He didn't leave this woman in her sin. She would have been changed and transformed. He leads us out of our sin and towards him in this life. The third reason we saw last week we worship, we adore him is because of who he is and what he has done. The ultimate purpose, Jesus came, God in the flesh, second person of the Trinity, left the glory of heaven, took on human flesh, was to pursue you and me. That's why he came. He took on human flesh, humbled himself, The sinless Savior died on that cross. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, taking our sin upon himself, past, present, future. And he paid for it on the cross. He bore the wrath of God that you and I so deserve for our sin. And he took that upon himself. And he says, if you now trust in me, I give you my righteousness. I give you the perfect righteousness. I take your sin. That's a great exchange. And this ought to <laughs> And this ought to cause us to be so thankful, so in awe, that we rearrange our lives. It affects how we worship. It affects how we function throughout the day. Like When we get some good news, when our team wins, when things go in the way that it, that it should, it's that kind of, and I'm sorry, it's an 80s kind of song, it's that, believe it or not, I'm walking on, and you're just, everything, the grass looks greener, even if it's yellow and the leaves look more beautiful, and the mountains look just that much taller and more amazing when things are going, and, and, and this is the life-giving flow that he desires to offer to us as his children. And this is what he promises. We never get far from the truth of the gospel that has and is and will save us, as 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1 tells us. We are never to get far away from the truth of that old hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me, because that's the only people that God saves are a bunch of wretches. And so these are some of the reasons why we adore and we worship and we rearrange our lives Around this one who's given himself so completely for us. Now today we're going to see how we are to worship. Some instruction, And again, there's various areas in God's word that gives us instruction and teaching the area of worship. But this is a pretty key one because this one deals with the heart. This isn't just with the outward kind of you know, actions and motions and different things like that, that that we'll get to in a little bit here. But, but this is, deals so much with the heart. And you see, this Samaritan woman and, and the Samaritan people, they were super religious. You can be super religious and never worship. You can be super religious and just go through the motions. And you can be really sincere and sadly you can be sincerely wrong and end up sincerely in hell. Even though you're religious and going through the motions. You can grow up and be in a good church and understand and articulate great theological and biblical knowledge and still miss it. That can happen so easily. But let's look at verse 21. Here's where we'll pick it up today of John chapter 4. Jesus said to her, Woman, Believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Now, he's telling her, he's kind of teaching and correcting her a little bit here. He's telling her that the Jews worshiping in Jerusalem, it was the right place to worship God, the only place that Jews and that people could at that time worship God, in the, at the temple, the Holy of Holies. That once a year, Day of Atonement, the, the high priest would go there, sacrifice would be, na- be made, worship would happen, and God's presence would be there. That was where it was. The Samaritans, because they were disgusting people in the eyes of the Jews, they weren't allowed in Jerusalem. They weren't allowed to worship, so they started worshiping on Mount Gerizim, which would have been just off in the distance for them to be able to see that Jesus would have been pointing to. You can see it from Jacob's well today. But Jesus is saying, well, the Jews do have it right. The Samaritans, they don't have it um, Uh, right and they have it wrong but he's like for all people this isn't going to change and it's changing now because i am because god is coming because god has come and so jesus tells us that true worship number one we see today encourage you to write this down we worship in spirit and truth And, 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 and right now we look at with fervency passion but also we will do so in the truth of god's word first of all fervency and passion verse 23 But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. You see, true worshipers, it's spirit and truth. And that's little s, spirit, here that it's referring to. It is not the Holy Spirit In in, in this context right here, it is meaning from within our own spirit. We're going to worship the Father in spirit and truth because God is spirit, and so his spirit is going to align with ours, and he's going to minister, and we will worship in spirit in this way. But first, let's look at this aspect of, of, of worshiping in spirit with this fervency and passion. It's from an inner heart. It's from our inner being. It's from our soul that we praise and we glory and we give adoration to him because let's face it we can come in and we can sing and we can you know raise hands or clap and we can look like we're all in and just worshiping the lord and yet our hearts can be far from we can be thinking about the football game we can be thinking about what's going on we can think of everything going on in the world and all of this and yet we can be going through this and 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 true worship is from the heart it's from the inside and it's bubbling up from within and 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 the ability to truly worship starts the moment that we are saved. You see, unbelievers, if you don't know Christ today, you can't truly worship. You can be led in emotion. You can, can, can sing songs and be moved and stirred in your heart, even shed tears. But an unbelieving person cannot truly worship in the way that believers can worship in, worship Jesus. True worship begins with a soul that has been reborn, where the Spirit of God now dwells. And at the moment of surrender, at salvation, when we receive the gift of eternal life from Jesus, having repented of our sins, making him our Lord and our Savior, the Spirit of God comes in as a seal, comes in and takes ownership, takes, takes, dwells within us, enters our lives, enters our, our, our soul. And, and true worship then becomes an expression with the Spirit of God with our own spirit, And the Holy Spirit that is now within us, and so this is where it comes from. And that's why when we are living in areas of sin or disobedience or distance with God, we're we're living out of step with His Word in our lives, the Holy Spirit's power in life is then quenched in us. And worship in our lives become just about kind of like an empty ritual, just again, just going through the motions. You see, after surrendering our lives to Christ, one of the most and and most important ways that we can give our lives and to to, to offer our lives to Christ for all that he has done is to be a worshiper. You see, let's do this other one here now, Elijah. You can just bring that big vase right now. And you see, what it is, is worship is a lot like a sponge. And, And if you take... A sponge, and I, I trust you're kind of able to see this here, and, 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 and uh, sorry, Charlotte, I brought this from home. I didn't ask for permission, so we'll be really careful. Anyways, I mean, worship can be like this sponge, and you just kind of, you know, you're just kind of, it's just there. But when, and, and it's because we've got a lot of stuff going on in our lives, but when we allow all of the stuff to get squeezed out of us, and we ab- just, just get absorbed in worship because we've been dealing and repenting with the sin and the junk, we've gotten rid of all of that stuff, all of a sudden now, you just see that there's so much more of it. And sadly, we can come in like this and just kind of float along and with hardness and dryness and really not sense much of the Lord's presence in our lives. And and and, and, and what ends up happening is, is that it, there's just not much there. There's, there's very little that really comes out. And so it's like this sponge. And when we... When we deal with our sin, our agendas, and we 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 just surrender that all, and we say, "God, it's yours," and we absorb ourselves in worship. The more we immerse ourselves, the uh, more—just think of it. Just the more of his—did it wrong. Allow it. The more of his life, his power, his strength—that that flows into that we can take in and then we can also live out to others. And so the more we immerse ourselves in worship and surrender to God, the more he can fill our lives. How come fear can so easily take over? How come, you know, it can take over my life, my family or my marriage? And it's possibly because we're not truly worshiping in spirit and in truth from the inner core. And so we worship from, from within. But then second of all, we also see we are to worship in the truth of God's word. That this is vital, that we're worshipers in the truth of God's word. In verse 23, it says, True worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. And the truth of who we are and the truth of what God's word says. And let's face it, we've all seen and heard some pretty crazy things that can happen in church worship services, right? Maybe you've seen some of this, you've witnessed it, or perhaps you've even... um at times, you've you maybe seen it on TV or on, on Facebook. Someone has showed something and you see people falling backwards. You see strange utterances. You see languages and historical laughter. You see people like just laying on the floor and just laughing hysterically or barking like a dog or whatever. I mean, this stuff happens all in the name of worship. People losing control of their bodies or shaking or contorting or whatever it might be. And, 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 and first of all, our guide to worship is the Word of God. This is where the guidebook for worship is found. It's in the word of God. And and if it is a pattern or something we see in the word of God or a command that we are to to follow in the word of God, we obey it, we follow it. If we see it's a pattern that was set out in the early church, great, permissible, go for it. If it's not in the word of God, we question it, we, we research it, and then if it's not there, and if it wasn't practiced in the early church, in the New Testament, we deny it. God's word is our guide. 1 Corinthians 14, there's instructions when it comes to orderly worship. And it ends that chapter in verse 40 and says, but all things should be done decently and in order. That chaos and people being out of control. You never see people in the Bible ever falling backwards. If they are, they're falling dead like Ananias and Sapphira, they they would have fallen either straight down or backwards because they lied to the Holy Spirit. Whenever you see people falling in the word of God, they're always falling forward in repentance and worship with emotion before God, in surrender before him and keeping their wits about them. And so God's word is our guide in this. And, And so these bizarre things that we can see happening today, we need to be always examining them in the light of God's word. If it's biblical, go for it. If not, we dismiss it. And so we worship in truth, but we also worship in how God's word tells us and instructs us to worship. That means that with good biblical theology, that means our lives, our pursuits, even the songs we sing, that it lines up with the word of God. And again, practical instructions for God's word when it comes to worship. You see, worship actually, a lot of times we think this, that, you know, eh, I, like, I like the preaching, don't care too much for the worship. I kind of like, you know, and so we have our like, oh, you know, I really like the worship, I don't care so much about the preaching. And so we kind of, you know, and, and have all this. But you know what, and, and a lot of times, and we believe very much that worship prepares us for the preaching. But you know what, preaching, the word of God, prepares us to worship. As well. It it goes back and forth both ways so that we will go out and live our lives as a living sacrifice to Him. That is our spiritual act of worship, we are told in Romans chapter 12. And God's word says, What are we to do? What are we to do? One of the commands that we're to do when it comes to worship, we're to sing. We're to sing, and and you say, I can't sing. I can't either, but it also tells us, make a joyful noise, and so we make a joyful noise, and sometimes here at the front, some of you, like I'm hearing your voices, and you're saying, and don't stop, but you can't sing. I mean, you can't hold a tune, and that's okay, because we're supposed to sing. I have this one friend of mine, uh, doesn't come to this church, lives in another province, and uh, he cannot sing. I mean, it is awful. I stand beside him, and I'll turn to him and say, hey, I think this is a listening song. You know, like he's just throwing me off you know and to you and he says oh no it's just within me i gotta sing and he does and he sings loud and it's bad but it's beautiful to the lord we're to make a joyful noise to him sing open your mouth and sing sing new songs sing old songs sing hymns sing songs sing spiritual songs ephesians chapter 5 says make a melody in your heart you can be going along, and next thing you know, you're outside biking, you're outside walking, you're going through the day, and all of a sudden you're humming something. It's not, you're making a melody in your heart. Shout if the opportunity presents itself. Shout, Amen. Clap. Now, clapping is something I struggle with, and some of you know this, and especially the worship team, I'm like, I'm always clapping on the inside because I have a hard time singing and then keeping time, and so usually I have to either stop singing in order to engage fully, and I have to have someone on stage clapping to kind of, or someone beside me that I may kind of watch, because so I'm clapping, and so often, like, I just, you know, and so maybe I just, but then I throw off, we were this summer with with our kids, and I'm, we are in a church service, and I'm, and I was here, it was out in the parking lot, and uh, and they were just like, oh, Dad, just stop already. And I'm like, no, it's within me. So let me clap off key worship people. Don't, don't judge me when I'm throwing everyone off here. I don't care. We clap. We, we clap our hands. And, and then we're also told to lift up holy hands. We can raise our hands in worship, but, but don't do it as just an act. Just don't do it as a show. It says, lift up holy hands, repenting hearts. Lord, I need you in our lives i declare you you can even dance (laughs) it's biblical there's a such thing as dancing before the lord not to impress people not to be an obstacle not to be a distraction so probably most of our dancing should happen in private and and just whether we're outside whether we are just you know maybe with your family you know have a family dance to some great worship music whatever not as a distraction and and um not making it a show in anything we do. See, our worship not must not only be contained to church. It can happen when we're driving, when we're in the shower, when we're outdoors, when, when, when just quietly within our own spirit that we're just desiring to worship the Lord. Is Jesus receiving your worship today? This morning when we were worshiping or was it and you looked half constipated? seriously, we can do that. You know, we're singing these songs and, you know, and, and, and the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and saved us from eternal hell and paid the price for our salvation and offers us eternal life and all he gets is when we're singing, you know, and it's just like, a you get passionate about certain things. I mean... Hey, look at this. I mean, some people get pretty passionate. We have a picture of those BC Lion fans. (laughs) Oh, no, BC Lion fans. Come on, don't we know the difference here? Come on. (laughs) It's it's the people have to cover. Nope, wrong one. The one's covering their face. We don't have them. Sorry, well we have a picture of Shane and Roxanne who are wearing BC Lion gear, gear and they're at a game and they're pretty pumped up and now we'll go to the real team and the real fans. And, and, and you look at what people will do, they'll paint their bodies, they'll wear weird stuff, go to the other one and, and, and we'll just see some of the things that you do. Why? Because we get amped up when we get psyched up about our um, about the teams that we cheer for now take those off because it's just going to be a distraction now because everyone's just gonna like man that's ugly you know and I'm like true but let's face it we all get amped up and excited about certain things it might not be sports but it might be sports i mean all of a sudden you see the most com- comatose style of mother or grandparents all of a sudden on the watching their kids or grandkids play soccer all of a sudden just go crazy you know or team canada wins olympic gold and and it's coming down a wire and you're cheering so hard some of you are watching the blue jays right now <laughs> you know as you're watching baseball and like oh they might do something oh they're you know today's do or die day for them kind of thing but we get passionate we get excited we get you know about all kinds of things that that also we come alive whether that's our hobbies and talking about our hobbies you start talking to my brother-in-law who has like 110 fishing rods no lie and all kinds of other equipment you start talking about fishing he gets excited and animated and all of this other kind of stuff that goes on and 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 we do that about our pursuits And, and sometimes it's food you start talking about cooking baking recipes all these different things and you get excited the good deals. Maybe you're, you know, an online or a thrift shopper and like, look at what, and and you get all excited about these things. Should we not get more excited and passionate and expressive when it comes to the King of kings and Lord of lords who saved our lives and given us all things? We ought to. And we're so, at times, I'm not going to say that word again, but it starts with a C. We just look so That's what it means to worship in spirit from within, with passion, with fervency, but in the truth of God's word. It's being sincere, it's not being fake. But then thirdly, we also see we worship. We worship right now. It's not off in the future. Heaven, if you don't like worship now, you're gonna hate heaven. Because the worship there like, well, at least there, it's gonna be stinking loud up there you don't like loud worship now it's going to be so loud when you have millions upon millions of believers and the angel and the rejoicing and worship leaders leading us in worship how amazing that's going to be and so we worship now jesus said but the hour is coming and now is is here the time is coming and or is now here to worship It, it, it it let's get to it time to worship it's in all places, in all situations, at all times. You say, well, things have to be going a good and proper way. I kind of have to feel it. You know, kind of feel good. Like, things are going well. There's good moment. Then I can worship No, Even in the low valleys, just as even we are singing. Yes, I will. I will praise your name even when it's low, even when it's hard. Acts 16, Paul and Silas, beaten, tossed into prison for the sake of the gospel. And it was around midnight. They're chained to prison guards after, again, being beaten. And, and they're sitting there in the middle of the prison. And what are they doing? They're worshiping. They're singing. And what happens? Earthquake shakes the building from the foundation. The chains come off. Chains come off when we worship. Like I said last week in one of the services, not in the other one. There are times that we can struggle and battle with sin and not experience victory in our lives. We can read the Bible. We can pray. We can seek help and accountability. And yet no victory. But have we worshiped? Have we worshiped in faith? Have we worshiped in advance? Have we worshiped now? Believing and, and, and trusting and thanking him that one day it's going to be taken away from us. One day we're going to receive that victory. And there are certain thorns and certain things we will carry and we will walk through for the rest of our lives. But even in there, there's going to be his grace and we can worship in and through those things. Not just when everything in life is lining up properly. Worship now. In God's word, we see that Israel going into battle. Not after the victory, but going into the battle. I think that's in first chronicles 20 we see them what did they do what did they do first they worshiped they sent the worship team first in a battle and the lord gave them the victory in the early church when they were seeking direction when they were desiring to appoint elders and make decisions they didn't come through strategic meetings and full charts and all these different sort of things that went on what did they do they prayed and they worshiped when we are in a rough and tough spot what do we do do we worship we ought to God inhabits what? The praises of his people. Whether you're in the car, he inhabits your praises, you're worshiping as we're here together. And and, and this is why it's so important that we gather and I'm so glad to see your faces that we get to worship in this way because God inhabits the praises of his people as we're offering this to him. God shows up. And once we are in Christ, biblical God-honoring spirit and truth, worship is a key way That God's power flows into and then out of our lives. I wonder today, what's keeping you from being a true worshiper? What's keeping you in that state of dryness and lukewarmness? As we close and we get ready for the Lord's Supper right away, I want to read verses 28 to 30. Look in John chapter 4. Look at what happened here. So the woman left her water jar. Underline that. She left her water jar. And went away into the town and said to the people, "Come, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ?" They went out of the town, and were com- they, they went out of the town and were coming to him. And as you continue to read, and I hope you do this week, you'll just see a community transformed. Jesus and the disciples stayed there for two days. But notice what she did. She left. The water bucket. Can I get that water bucket? I don't know what happened to the water bucket we had last week. It disappeared. It kicked the bucket, and so now I found this, uh, this smaller one. But what happened? She dropped the bucket. She dropped it that day. She, all of a sudden, it was like it was no longer important. Sorry if that woke you up if you were sleeping. That was a strategic move. She dropped the bucket. She had come to that well with that heavy load on her life. The heavy sin, stained life, going through religious motions, worshiping at Mount Garrison, trying to find fulfillment in relationships, and it wasn't working. She was coming again, filling her water pot, only to return again the next day to this dry and empty, with this dry and empty bucket, and with this dry and empty and unfulfilled life, looking just to fill the bucket, and, and, and with a hope and a prayer that one day things could change on the inside, she'd find the right man. Well, she found the right man that day. She found Jesus, Messiah. And she dropped her bucket and she humbled herself and she left with a heart and a life that was full she became a true worshiper that day and it started spilling out of her and she runs into the town and says come and see she met jesus and it changed everything and as a result if you keep reading as i already mentioned many believed and became followers and she said, come and see this man who told me all I ever did. Well, Jesus didn't have the time. She was probably like 30, 40 years old. And he didn't have time to tell her all the things. She's slightly exaggerating. But what she was meaning here, I so believe it, is that in the areas that was most private, the areas of the deepest hurt, the area of the greatest shame, the things that she was holding on to and hope no one else would see, Jesus knew it all. And he loved her and pursued her in spite of it all. And he saved her that day. Have you dropped your bucket? Have you emptied your bucket? Have you surrendered your life initially to Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord? Has he filled your life with his spirit? Daily then, we must continue to keep dropping the bucket because you know what, we're going to keep throwing a lot of stuff in there. A lot of stuff that just is, they're good things, but they're not the best things. They can be pursuits and all of this, but when it takes that place of ownership and it takes that place of of preference over the Lord, then it becomes a problem. And the Spirit's power is diluted because we're filling our lives and our minds with all kinds of good things, but lesser things than Him. And so daily in confession and repentance, we continue to keep coming and we bring this bucket of our lives and we need to keep dumping it out and asking for the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh and anew. But we must drop the bucket. We must get rid of the junk. And as we do that, through daily confession, repentance, making war on our sin, putting it to death, you know what? To be 99% known, you know, there's, there may be some little corners, a few little things in our lives that we really don't want anyone to know about or it's our own little, you know, sort of uh, secret sin or like uh, guilty pleasure. To only be 99% known is leaving that 1% a huge opportunity for the devil to have a heyday and to bring defeat. It's about being all in in, in our surrender all in, in our worship. And is the way that we drop the bucket and allow the Spirit to fill our lives. As we do this, the fresh, giving, Spirit-empowered life that is promised to us will flow in and will flow out to others around us. Drop the bucket of sexual sin. Drop the bucket of addiction. Drop the bucket of idolatry, of earthly pursuits. Drop the bucket of trying to make a big name for yourself. Drop the bucket of family because that can trump even God's will and God's plan for your lives. You're wanting to control them. Drop the bucket. I've had to be doing this this past week, especially in light of this sermon. We want our kids to move back to the Okanagan. They want to move back here, but I've had to drop the bucket and say, God, whatever your plan, whatever your will is, We'd love to have them nearby, but drop the bucket on that. Where do we need to drop the bucket when it comes to unforgiveness? That person said things, did things, and you're holding on to it, that's a 1%, it's killing you. Drop the bucket. And as we do, there's a vibrant flow of Holy Spirit power and life and cleansing, healing power that comes from Jesus Christ, drop the bucket. If your life is stagnant, flat, lukewarm, Drop the bucket and repent of that and ask for a fresh flow of God's spirit to flow into your life. Drop the bucket. In a few moments, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper and this is for those who have dropped the bucket initially and surrender. Please don't do it. If you are not a believer in Christ, God's word, again, it's, it's our guidebook. It says if you're eating or drinking in an unworthy way, you're eating and drinking judgment upon yourselves. And so, this is for those who have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord, who have dropped the bucket. But that today are also, it's not just from back there, but it's also today. I want to drop the bucket, and I I want to be that all-in in in surrender, all-in in in my worship, all-in with the junk in my life. I repent, confess that before God. He is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins. If it's about making war and fighting that sin, get real in your small group this next week and tell people I need help and I need prayer in this area of my life so I can keep dropping this bucket and it won't continue to consume me, and so that the life and the power of Jesus Christ can flow into my life and then out of me and bring life to those around us. Drop the bucket. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that your word would come alive even now, that we would experience as your people as we do business with you in dropping and surrendering anything to you that is a hindrance, that is a sin in our lives that we've been holding on to, would we drop that bucket and surrender ourselves to you? And would your word come alive that there would be a well of eternal life, of life-giving hope, that we can experience, not just on the day we die, but today, that we walk out of here changed forever. Your word says, and so we take your word seriously. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Meet us, we pray, and we're going to worship together. I'm going to ask you to, whenever you are ready to come, and you can partake of the Lord's Supper, peeling off that top layer, and there's the wafer there, and then the second layer to get the juice, and just... On your own, just spend time just thanking Jesus for his sacrifices. We worship together. You may want to stay up here. You may want to go back. Just don't block the way uh, for others to come in that way. But there's room up here if you just want to meet with God and just kind of be alone and say, I'm going in the bucket today and I'll surrender. And now I'm receiving new life and strength once again as you recommit yourself, inviting this flow of the Holy Spirit life in your, and in your power uh, to go in, in, in his power this week in your life. That's the Lord, and we're ready.